Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Uh, welcome. My name is Rich P. and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Welcome to the panel on absolute surrender. I'll be the moderator for this panel as well. In the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the essay message, this session will be recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during the session. If you do not wish to be recorded, you may participate by listening. Please do not tamper with recording equipment. We will begin the meeting with a few moments of silence followed by the, followed by the serenity prayer. So join me in a few minutes of silence. For all those sexaholics suffering, especially the chronic relapser. We're going to say the we version of the serenity prayer. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will not ours be done. Mance, will you read the essay purpose? Sure. The essay purpose, Sexaholics Anonymous, is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Our panelists for the session are myself, Rich P, and and I am Mance B. Um, we have talked before this, and we are going to do a sort of a Joe and Charlie type, where we're not going to each take ten minutes to share. We're just going to go back and forth and uh, talk in one sync with each other. So after that's done, though, we'll open the meeting for sharing. And uh, please join me in welcoming our panelists. <laughs> You know, we often uh, talk among ourselves at times that uh, we have God moments or God has uh, sort of put something in front of us. I had one of those recently. I have been aware of the fact that uh, I was asked to uh, speak at a session and uh, uh, I do a uh, morning routine of prayer and meditation and uh reading uh, devotional books. I do read uh, The Real Connection. Uh, I would say that uh, I wouldn't want to swear on a Bible that I read it every day, but uh, I do read it uh, frequently. And it was about two weeks ago I was reading it, 
and it really touched me, and I want to read this for you because I feel it's relevant to uh, uh, what we're dealing with this afternoon. It's called A Spiritual Experience, and the quote in it is from AA, page 44. You may find you may be suffering from an illness which is only a spiritual experience that only a spiritual experience will conquer. And it goes on. The more I trudge the road of happy destiny, recover an SA, the more I am amazed at my higher power's ability to remove obsession that has plagued me for 35 years. On my own, I could not stop sexually acting out. It took a spiritual experience to change my life. As I worked steps one, two, and three, I realized that until I changed my attitudes, choices, and behavior, I could not be free from lust. The core of my personality had to change radically. My heart had to want sobriety above all else. I had to desire a different way of living from the previous way of selfishly taking what I wanted regardless of the harm to others. When I finally made the decision to turn my self-centered will and life over to God, I had a spiritual experience and I found relief from my lust obsession. Because S.A. helped me understand that, quote, spiritual refers to the core of my personality, the most fundamental aspect of my being, I came convinced that the answer to all my problems is spiritual. Now I trust my higher power and endeavor to follow that will instead of my own. As I practice the principles of SA, I find each day offers a spiritual awakening. And I thought that uh, was very well put, considering we're talking about uh, uh, spiritual issues this afternoon. And uh, there's a variety in this book. I recommend it to anyone if you don't have it already. But uh, it's a good uh, one that pulls together spiritual aspects and intertwines them with our SA program and it's a great way to get your mind set. Uh, one thing that uh, I wanted to share with you, I was going to comment on here, he has the, the reference in there 35 years and uh, uh, it was about when I was 45 that I first uh, came to the realization that I had a problem and uh, started on my pathway to recovery and I've been on that pathway for about 30 years so uh, I have a little different uh, age uh, correlation with whoever wrote that but uh, it was relevant but one thing in my life uh, is that uh, uh I'm very grateful for the program and what it has brought me, and uh, it is a pathway, and pathways have ups and downs and 
crooks and uh, other issues, but uh, there is no doubt whatsoever that uh, it has uh, uh, done wonders for my life. And uh, But what I have realized along the way is uh, that uh, I, I got into a period after a few years with some reasonable recovery uh, under my belt, but uh, it wasn't perfect. But I was looking for something uh, deeper, something that uh, would grab me a bit more. And uh, I had an interesting experience. Uh, many of you not, may not be aware of this, but in the year 2002 in Atlanta, there was an international SA convention. And uh, our local fellowship was very involved in that at that point in time. I remembered that uh, I and another woman uh, co-chaired the treasury function. And uh, that was sort of interesting. However, the, the bright spot in that was that Roy K. was present at that time. I had uh, never uh, met him before and never met him after, but I did shake his hand. Uh, this booklet is precious to me. At that session, uh, his topic uh, was to introduce a new approach uh, that he sort of classified as in development. Uh, and uh, someone asked me where he lived. Well, at that point in time, he the headquarters office for SA was in Simi Valley, California just outside of San Francisco. So uh, much of his work at that point in time, his writings, many of them occurred there, and uh, they had an active group at that point in time. And uh, what this involves is what he introduced. It wasn't a, uh, you know, a session like what we're doing at a convention. Uh, it was, I don't know that it was even on the agenda. Uh, it was somehow announced early on. But he was the only speaker, uh, and uh, it was introducing what he referred to uh, as a new beginning in lust recovery entitled Surrender and Accountability. And uh, he talked through what was happening in California, uh, and this is the handout he gave each of us that was present, and I have uh, made copies of this many times. Uh, there is some of this material is still available uh, online. Uh, if you're interested, you could talk to one of us after the meeting and we could share more on that. But uh, this is a 55-page notebook of uh, that particular approach. And I'm not going to go through that uh, at depth here although much of what we're going to talk about would be uh, correlated to some of that. But uh, what has happened is, uh, in my recovery, is my early attention was, you know, on the white book, on working through the steps and all, um, and uh, that's crucial to what our program is all about. But I have realized more in my recent years, I've been intrigued, I think, in talking with others that have been around a long time, uh, of the writings that Roy had done uh, and uh, what he had done with this material, another aspect of it, someplace here, but uh, are the uh, 
articles he wrote in the SA or uh, SA pamphlet, which was not online at that point in time. Uh, but there were most of these were back in the 1999 period, and uh, uh, you're going to speak to one of those a bit more. So I want to. Uh, talk about that, but these are still available through Home Office. I checked on the website the other day and I couldn't find out where, but I know Kay mentioned to me not too long ago that they still have some of those. Uh, there's about three or four essays that were not, they were regular essays that they were publishing at that point in time, uh, but they were dominated by articles written by Roy. And uh, so that is key information on that. Uh, Can I jump in here? Yeah, please. I'll give you a sec. So uh, I'm glad Mance introduced the idea of absolute surrender, which is the title of our session today. Um, But if you look in the white book, surrender is all over the white book. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I wish there was a way to electronically scan the white book and count, but there is not. There's no legal way to do that, but it is coming soon. We know that the the trustees say, I think, um, perhaps may. Um, we're a little bit behind with that. But there's some great subtitles of it. And I always like to give the ending away. So this is this is the whole point of my talk. So if you want to leave early, you're not going to miss it. But it's on page... <laughs> It's on page 81 of the white book and, and, you know, sometimes there's just so many, so many nuggets in the white book and I miss them and I have to go back and I have to go slow. But it's the concluding paragraph on page 81 and that whole section is called surrender, steps one, two, and three. And it wraps up like this, it's beautiful. In summary, for us, surrender is the change in attitude of the inner person that makes life possible. It is the great beginning the insignia and watchword of our program. And no amount of knowledge about surrender can make it a fact until we simply give up, let go, and let God. When we surrender our freedom, we become truly free. So I thought it was really important to read that because that's our literature. Like that's, that's our foundation. That's where we come from. There's one thing I had underscored, uh, one sentence or two of... Uh, in I have that one too. Are you going to read? That was my next one. Oh, we didn't even plan this. Go. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I'll see. Great minds follow the same pathway or whatever. Um, this is the second paragraph on that same page. The surrender required in step steps one, two, and three became the fountainhead out of which all things flowed in practicing the other steps. I had an, a spiritual experience in preparing for this that underscored that and realized if you really did steps one, two, and three right and didn't rush on to get four, five, and six and whatever, you know, you'd have it made. And uh, we'll touch on some of that. Yeah, I, I agree with so that. So trying to find a person that only did the first three. <laughs> um, but, so, you know, Roy, of, co- of course, authored, primarily authored the white book. And then the ESSAY that Mance talked about, that's like our grapevine, right? The, the A's have grapevine. And these are articles and essays. And uh, Roy did write something in 1999 called The Luster's Fear of Dying. And... Um, it may even be available online if you Google it. I don't know, but it is in the ESSAY. Yeah. And that's where I would go to find it. But it's incredible. And it hits at this whole idea of what we're talking about today with absolute surrender. 
And there, I, I looked it over and read it, read off of it, drew off of it for this, for a few comments here, and it says a lot of like harsh things that I don't think a lot of folks in the program are, are maybe ready or willing to hear. I, and I wanted to say them today, and it may not be popular, but. I think it, it, it opens the door for deeper recovery. So I'm going to hit a couple highlights of those. He really says it's all about intent, right? And intent is me. Like my intent to lust is me. And so he talks about this idea of, like he says, it's what we are, and we need salvation from the intent, from the disposition of the heart. The disposition of the heart could be soured, and it could be tainted, and it could be full of lust. And that really that resonates with my own journey, um, because it wasn't. I'm a chronic relapser myself, six years in the program, never sober, and um, and it was because I wanted lust more than I wanted recovery. I don't want to minimize it, but if I have to break it down, there are a lot of excuses I had. But at the bottom line, I just did not want recovery and sobriety, and really, and, and God. Let's let's get beyond that. Let's go one layer down. I did not want God. A relationship with God more than I wanted lust because I thought lust gave me everything I needed and it did not. It was a lie. So Roy challenges us in that document and he says, see, there's this common expression in the program about progress, not perfection, progressive victory over lust. And, and, if, and there's sort of, I, I do believe there is a mindset that that's just good enough or that's just what it is. As long as I'm making progress, it doesn't matter if I keep relapsing. As long as I'm making progress, doesn't matter if I employ the three second rule, like don't look more than three seconds. There are all these, he, he walks through a bunch of, uh, he calls them false recovery techniques, like the three second rule, calling every time I have a temptation, if I can just figure out what was the knowledge behind or why I acted out, or no second looks. And he says those are all false recovery techniques. All false. And we fall into them, we fall into them really easily. And Rather, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go right to the chase. He says, it's not progressive victory over lust, that's the pathway for us. Who wants that? Who wants like, yeah, I'm just doing a little bit better today? Roy flips the script and he says, victory over lust is recovery. Victory over it. Not progressive victory, but victory over it. So he says, I can have victory over it. I don't need to be on this side of the line going backwards, getting closer, going backwards, go, and even if the line moves, he says you can cross over it, but here's, here's the beautiful part of it, because it, it sounds impossible a little bit, like, what, what do you mean? Like, how am I gonna, I, I've never got, I personally have never gotten victory over lust. And what he says, it's this, he says, the first and only defense is a prior changed attitude of the mind and heart, and that comes from an unconditional surrender to God. So it's we've read it in the white book. It's very simple. He says, you know, you know that notion, the degree of my spiritual fitness is sort of the degree of my serenity, my recovery. It really is that the degree that I surrender to God now. And and he, he, he pushes it. And I wrote some notes down. He even pushes it. And he says, let's just tell the newcomer when they come in. He says, let's challenge them up front that say recovery is impossible without victory over lust. Not progressive victory, but victory over lust. And he says... Just face the impossibility of a lust cure not coming so people, so the newcomer, can find the saving connection with God. Like, face it. Let's just do it. Let's just tell people that right away. I think that would be hard for a lot of newcomers to hear. But people in this room may be able to hear it. One person in this room may be able to hear it. One person. So he's saying, the degree that I'm surrendered to God and I just face it and I say, great, I'm go- I feel like I'm going to die without lust. I- step into it and die and see what happens. See what happens. 
in absolute surrender to God. And that's how you get victory over lust. But it's just in that moment. It's just in that moment of the, of the temptation when it comes. I can't count on it, you know, three hours ahead or tonight at six o'clock when I leave here. It's just in that moment. And as long as I stay plugged into God as the temptations come, I just track with God. I just track with God each time. And that's, that's, I mean, in many ways it is easy. Like, if you have surrendered, and, and not a pseudo-surrender, like I, I mentioned that he calls him, but if you have gone deep and have surrendered and said, it is all yours, God. Like, do whatever it takes and keep doing whatever it takes. Have it all. Have all my life. Take take whatever idol I'm putting up in front of you and just keep, take it and keep taking it. Then I don't have to lust. I don't have to lust again. Temptation comes. I don't have to lust. Temptation comes. I'm already surrendered. I don't have to lust. God's already given me the saving power. That's the whole notion of lusters for a dime. And there's a quote I'll read at the end. That was sort of the essence of my talk. I put it down in a couple of little nuggets. One thing uh, related to this in here is if you uh, read a lot of Roy's early writings, he uh, draws heavily upon AA. And uh, and, uh, many of you have read uh, Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers, where they will, you know, go through what happened there and most of those alcoholics you know ended up in the hospital and if most of them never expected to get out of the hospital they would die but what happened back in some of this was back I forget it was in 36 or whatever uh, in one of those periods and uh, you know say a couple of us would decide to go in and uh, meet with Joe in his hospital room and they would end up being able to get the guy released and they would take him over to one of the homes that they had and you know they take them upstairs and uh, they would stay upstairs until that person had given had done a complete surrender mm-hmm. and that's how Roy picked up on that's what we in sex addiction should do, which really is three steps, essentially, but they did. You know, it's the acknowledgement of the fact that I'm powerless and unmanageable, I can't do anything, and I can't continue with what I'm doing uh, unless I find some help outside myself, and they would bring the hope. But if they weren't willing to turn their will and life over to the care of God, inside that bed, it was over. And he's saying, you know, that same philosophy, so to speak, is what Roy's version of uh, our program would be. And it is today, but, uh, you know, what really hit me personally is realizing, you know, I've worked through 12 steps many times, but if I go back and look at it, if I got through three steps for what they are really saying, you know, the others are, you know, important because, you know, we all have defects and other things that need to get straightened out. But uh, what's, pack, what's packed into steps one, two, and three is powerful. I want to go back and underscore a point I said earlier. I don't know if it, it was... If it was as clear, but Roy, he goes on to explain that in this, this, uh, lustrous fear of dying, and he says, victory over lust, remember what that is, like that is real victory over it, not progressive. 
The victory over lust is where you are in your attitude with your lust bearer. I love that lust bearer. Mm-hmm. It's not what you do. So I remember I thought it was all about techniques. Like if I could make more calls or if I could go to more meetings or if I could do a DSR every morning or if I could call my sponsor each time or call him after every uh, slip or after every thought that comes. And the simple idea is without God, mm-hmm. techniques are empty. They're just empty. They're empty. They're empty. They mean nothing. They're just they're just hollow. They're like those like banging gongs. They're just a sad reflection, and they're just me again. Techniques are just me, but when God is sort of brought into that surrender, they become powerful tools because we like we. Well, I'll keep an eye. I have had experiences where I've tried a technique in lust and it did not work and it never worked. That's why I couldn't get sober. But I tried that same technique in recovery after I've done an absolute surrender. And it's like a, it's a power, it's power. Like I feel the power come and the temptation leaves. And it could be the prayer, it could be the call, it could be the meeting, it could be the DSR, it could be any of those things, but absent God, it's empty and nothing, it's just me again. And I had to come to the realization and acceptance of myself like, all I ever am gonna get with rich is lust. Like, I, I can't like, I, I'm, cause I'm, why? step one because I'm powerless over lust in many ways it's real simple but it's like a perpetual like living of it in the daily living of it like I, I, I wasn't powerless over lust 10 years ago but today I, I have power over it I still don't have power over lust I'm still powerless over lust but God isn't my higher power isn't and he comes in and gives me the power to just walk through one temptation at a time so I wanted to hit that hard. It's a little challenging. It's challenging for me to sort of soak in and step into, but it's it's a good challenging. Like you know, like when you're when you work out, your muscles are sore because you worked out, and you know, like oh, that's a good like the muscles were stretched. That means they're growing. That's a good sore feeling, not when you throw your back out, but it's <laughs> it's a good feeling, and it's like that's what this feels like. I, I it wrestles with my my head and my thinking because I know I'm growing from it. It feels like that to me. One thing that uh, I wanted to mention that's sort of intertwined in a lot of what we're talking about, um, several, several of you were in the meeting that occurred in this meeting just prior to this one on uh, disposition of the heart, which has been a favorite phrase of mine, uh, but uh, it took me a while. I had it marked in my old uh, white book, but... I had my car stolen. They stole my white book. I'm hoping there's another person recovering from the disease now. I haven't met him uh, yet. Yes, right. But uh, on page 157, the this is after the 12 steps have been covered, and it's sort of some wrap-ups. Uh, and there's one, uh, the topic on this uh, section or chapter is overcoming lust and temptation. Uh, but think of this, Roy was writing it. He says, in any case, it is the inner disposition of the heart that is the real problem. And the work of recovery continues with altered attitudes and gaining progressive victory over lust. But that disposition of the heart and... Uh, there were some references. Uh, uh, I was, you know, we don't ever talk about what that really means. Uh, I spent some time when I was trying to get my thoughts together for this and did a Google search on that. 
and you know you, you could copy off about a book of it because there's all kinds of philosophers and theologians and whatnot who have spoken to it uh, and there's probably not one capsule that everybody would buy but uh, it uh, you know is so crucial and uh, you know gets back again to looking at the first three steps and what that is all about uh, which is you know what goes on in our mind and you know all of our problems with lust and uh, you know anger and resentment and whatever is part of a, the disposition of our heart there can be good things and bad things but uh, cleaning house is important Thanks. One thing I want to share is quickly about the idea of these false recovery techniques. And this is right on page 67 of the White Book. Again, it's right above the section that says the, the next test and the next. But there's some italicization up there. And he says, usually we find that our initial surrender, not absolute surrender, but initial surrender, was incomplete. And we begin to see some loose ends. We discover some rain checks secretly stashed against future need, like alcoholics hiding their bottles. And so when I read this part, I really would just ask people to prayerfully ask God to reveal to you where you might have these in your recovery. And the question is like, where is lust active in my life? And so his, the examples in here are, it's her key, I can't throw that away. I'll keep his phone number, I may be able to help him sometime. Or I'll get rid of the magazines later, dot, dot, dot. And then you know what the program says? In recovery, we simply throw the stuff away. No one has to tell us, we just know. We always knew. We just never had the power to let them go. I remember going through a moment in my recovery after I had done... I don't know, I felt like I had done the 12 steps. I can't be sure I was far through the steps. And I was doing this. I was like practicing these false recovery techniques. And I did have a, a, a stash of uh, materials somewhere somewhere in my house. And and even like on an old laptop, I think. And I just remember like being convicted by this and saying like, I need to be absolutely free of every nook and cranny of this stuff. And I went... And um, I think I called my sponsor, Mance, before, said I was going to do it because I didn't want to be triggered by it, found it, disposed of it, no big deal, and then called back to check in to say, I did that thing, I'm clean, like I'm done, I'm done with it. It even like is reminiscent like when I had my orig- uh, an original phone that I had acted out with and then it was time to finally get a new phone. Even though the phone was clean, it just felt really powerful to like step into a new phone with assurance, like, I'm not going to... I'm not going to use this phone to act out. Not like, I hope I don't. I don't want to live in I hope I don'ts anymore. Mm-hmm. I have the absolute surrender. I have the, the I have the clarity with God that he's going to, as long as I stay connected to him, he's going to protect this phone from lust. And then the final thing I want to read, I don't know if you want to say anything else, man, but this is on page 68, mm-hmm. middle of the page. And he says, that this is like, this is something that just let it sink into you. He says, again, it's the change of attitude that brings relief. <coughs> The change of attitude that brings relief. Now listen to these words. Instead of, I've got to have it or I'll die, our attitude becomes, I give up, I'm willing not to have it, even if I do die. And that's the breakthrough in recovery, and that's a guarantee for breakthrough in recovery. That's all I want to share. Okay. Anything else? No. All right, we're two minutes early.
Because our common welfare should come or comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing during this meeting. We do not cross-talk. That is, we share with the group as a whole rather than addressing any individual member. We speak in the I, not the we, or the you. We leave our other identities at the door, including politics, religions, therapies, treatment centers, occupations, and other 12-step issues. We speak about and from the essay point of view. Our meeting focuses on solutions to our essay approach to recovery. Whenever possible, we avoid the mention of titles and authors that are not essay or AA approved in literature. In participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid profanity, sexual descriptions, and sexually abusive language. In sharing, if a speaker brings up a controversial topic or deviates from our guidelines, the moderator will interrupt the speaker and ask them to honor our request. Please note that your shares will be recorded. In sharing, we encourage you to focus on the topic of the meeting, absolute surrender. This is not a check-in meeting. If you need to check-in, please find a temporary sponsor, someone with a purple dot on their name tag, after the meeting with whom you can share. We ask those who wish to share to please come up and sit in the chairs next to the microphone in a queue. As one person moves to the sharing chair, the others just move over and another person takes the empty chair so that as many members as possible have a chance to share. Please limit your sharing to a maximum of two minutes or less. We'll time you. A stop sign will remind you when you have reached two minutes or a beep. Um, please speak into the microphone so that those who listen to the recording can follow the, the discussion. The meeting is now open for sharing. Yeah. Can I just ask, do I need to come up there to ask a question? Yes, because we're trying to record yeah. them in the mic. When you were quoting Roy earlier, was that all from the white book, or is there another source that that was coming from? I, this is Rich P. I was quoting from the ESSAY, it's right here, the 1999 edition of The Luster Sphere of Dying. Oh, I'm sorry. I read from the White Book. I referenced this material. I'm sorry. The direct quotes I was giving were from the White Book. The, the material I was using to support it was from the ESSAY right here. Is that do we, is that uh, material here? May I have a copy of that when I leave or buy it? Or something? I think you would have to go contact central office because you know this is one that's it's, it's an old, old version. But they are yeah. central office is digitizing all those things, so yeah. they will eventually be digital. But they still, I think, do have hard copies. It's just get on the ESA website and try to order an old ESSA okay, copy. You. The best way to find and it. For the record, I'm Dean. I'm a serial relapser. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, Dean. I'm Tracy, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. And thank you guys for your your shares, and thank you for your um, example of recovery. I couldn't help but uh, because I I think too much. I couldn't help but look up absolute zero when I was thinking about absolute surrender during the um, share. And I thought it was interesting if I might share the definition of absolute zero. It said. Um, absolute zero is the lowest temperature possible. At a temperature of absolute zero, there is no motion and no heat. And I just thought, well, that's the way recovery is, absolute surrender. There is no motion and no heat toward lusting. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that that was really, really poignant. And unlike the Kelvin, Celsius, and Fahrenheit scale, where things are measured in degree, I do see... In myself, I would have liked to have said that I absolutely surrendered to start with, but I do see in some sponsees where it's just like, for lack of a better description, a switch goes off and they get sober and it's over. Lusting is over. 
in the chronic relapsers have not reached that decision in the intention of their heart. And that was, that was true for me for about nine months. And I'm just very grateful to understand now how that can happen and how I can stay sober. Thanks. I'm Steve. I'm a sexaholic. <laughs> There's a, a paragraph in the white book that I always go back to that, for me, epitomizes surrender, what surrender means for me. And I remember when I heard it, because I, I had read the white book a few times and I've read over that paragraph, but I never, I never heard it. I never really understood until I listened to the audio version of the white book, which Roy Kay himself narrates. And to hear Roy, in his own words, read that, I heard the emphasis, and I heard what he was saying. And what he was saying was, page 20, um, midway down the page. I didn't realize that the essence of being human is to have free choice. God doesn't want to remove from me the possibility of falling. He wants me to have the freedom to choose not to fall. I've been praying self-righteously all along. Please, God, take it away, not realizing my inner heart was piteously whining so I don't have to give it up. There was belief in God without surrender. That belief availed nothing. I had never died to lust. And it was that I was always looking for something to... I was looking for a magical cure. I wanted this to be removed without first extending my hand and giving it up. And and that was the key, was I just... That piteously whining, so I don't have to give it up. I had never died to lust. And that's when it dawned on me what surrender was. You know, I had to be willing to die. The quote on page 68, I had to be willing to die without the lust. And and that's where it started for me. Thanks. 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 I'm Dan W., recovering sexaholic. Um, I don't claim to have absolute uh, surrender, um, maybe not just yet. But I know something I used to do was when I, even when I was starting an essay, was I would pray that God would give me the strength to overcome the next temptation, or pray that I would have wisdom to overcome the next struggle in my life, or constantly I was praying for God to go ahead and enable me to have power over something, rather than what I later decided, because I kept finding the more I prayed for these things, God would give me all sorts of challenges. It was like doing, you know, a workout. You want you want more patience? I'm going to give you some really frustrating things. You want more wisdom? Oh, you can only learn wisdom the hard way. You know, and, and then I, I finally realized, I was like, I don't need all of these things because he's already got it, and he's willing to, you know, give it give me access to his strength and wisdom when, when I need it. Not constantly all the time. I'll now just have it. But if I just surrender to you know his, his wisdom, strength, will, patience, then I have all the wisdom, strength, will, patience, everything that I already need uh, through my higher power. So that was, that was one of the things that I, I kind of came across in Surrender was to stop trying to do it all myself because I don't even need to. 
Thanks for letting me share. Hey, I'm Nick W., sexaholic. Um, so I have six weeks sober today, so I feel a little like underprepared and overwhelmed to be up here, but um, regardless, I felt something like tugging at my heart to share. Um, surrender has been a big theme, um, you know, for the last little bit in my life and especially recently, and um, I mean, what like really resonates with me about what was being shared is this idea of like the absolute sur- surrender, you know, like to be honest, when I like came into essay, my intention was just like, I wanted, um, you know, I wanted to stop doing these things that were like harmful to me and other people. I wanted to stop uh, looking at porn, masturbating, sexually acting out. And that was kind of like, I just wanted those. Um, sort of remedies, and those were the things I wanted to, like, surrender. Um, And it's just kind of, I got this very clear picture, you know, like, when I look, especially at that third step, it's like, I need to stop focusing on, like, let me surrender this little thing here and this little thing there. It's like, I'm supposed to be turning my will and my life over. Like, that sounds like everything. I'm not supposed to be turning over my desire to lie. I'm not supposed to be turning over my like desire just to lust. Like there's um this idea of like an absolute surrender is it's heavy to me. Like that sounds like a lot. And I'm like, how does one even do that? But like I know like the the same part of me that like kind of almost like screams out like, Oh, don't do that. Is like the same part that wants me to stay sick. Like it, it's kind of this, like, you know, it wants me to almost be afraid of like the degree of how much freedom is on like the other side of that. Cause like one thing I've like learned from other people in recovery is that like, you know, they're, you know, in a lot of ways, the, degree of like freedoms they surrender up is like how free they can then like move on and like live um so that's my kind of like take on the whole thing i'm very grateful for the topic um yeah that's all i got to share thanks hi i'm corey an addict um i too have a new camera i'm five weeks in um Still learning about this. The one thing I took away from the day is um, everybody's been in here longer than me. I'm trying to be like a sponge to soak up everything. Um, surrender to me is like the biggest part. Once that die, then I can go back to being the way I'm supposed to be and not the way I am, which basically is kind of destroying my marriage. Um, but for me to get to that point would be like I won the lottery because the way I'm supposed to be in God's eyes and I've been to church all my life I came up in a family that goes to church but for me to be able to surrender is for me to be able to get back my relationship with God the correct way and I just keep praying and hoping that I can I can do that and just being here today, everybody that I've come in contact, you gentlemen, are an inspiration. And when I get to the point where I can get to where y'all are, a lot of the stuff that, that I'm hearing today, I'm going to make sure 
I bring up to the newcomers to kind of help them understand that when you first come in, it's a little overcoming. But from the beginning, if you try to understand surrender and acceptance, then it makes it a lot easier to go through the steps, to go through the struggles, and to uh, overcome our, our obstacles and issues. Um, I just want to say that, and uh, thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Todd W. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Todd. Hey, Todd. And uh, I only have about 22 months in, but uh, <clears throat> earlier they pointed out a reading to us that says, for that's where the admission of powerless really works. We're in, we're, when we're in the raw heat of temptation and craving, again, it's the change of attitude that brings relief. Instead of, I've got to have it or I'll die, our attitude becomes, I give up. I'm willing not to have it, even if I do die. And the point that I'm starting to look at now in my recovery with this kind of stuff is, uh, you know, my higher power has graciously relieved me of the obsession and the compulsion when it comes with regard to porn and masturbation and sexually acting out. I'm not saying I'm not tempted. I'm just saying an obsession and a compulsion has been largely lifted. But what I do now is I look for these things in my own life. And I've, like, in the last few months, I've found three other areas where I am a lust addict. Number one is money. And after the market drops like it has the last couple of weeks, you are distinctly remembered how much of an addict you are. Okay? And so I've, I've had to learn, you know, to... Uh, I was uh, trading options and stuff online, and, you know, the thrill and the excitement, or you lose and, the, you know, you're down. I've had to learn to give that up. The next one is, uh, how strong am I? I went to the gym my entire life, and I had a 7 by 7 tear in my shoulder, and the cartilage underneath a 12 by 6 tore, and so the doctor says, you gotta give up the heavy weights. So now I'm, you know, still working out, but, you know, higher reps, lower weights, and that's, you know, that's just another one of those kind of things, you know. Where is it? The last one is, I've kind of referenced to it already, but I like excitement. You ought to see me watch a football game. <laughs> okay, I don't talk very well the next day. But I found that in other areas of my life. When I want to date a young lady, I want that excitement. You know, so um, <clears throat> thank you very much for this topic today and uh, for just, you know, letting us see in how many areas of our life it applies to. Thanks. Thank you. Brad Helm, sexaholic hey, from Nashville. Um, thanks to you guys for the work you put in to prepare this. And uh, I always, whenever I go to international conferences, I always look for these old essay magazines. There's sometimes they're on sale at the literature tables, and I made it a habit to to buy them. So I appreciate you bringing that up. But for me, this thing of progressive victory over lust, I, uh, it, it's like lust is a, a big ball of twine inside of me. And I just keep pulling it out, you know? In, in the beginning, surrender was getting a new phone number, uh, getting a new phone, uh, help uh, some guys at one, the meeting I went to, uh, they helped me clean out my car. And one of them looked at me and said, is that all you got? You know, like they were disappointed. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, progressive victory to me is discovering where my lust is today. You know, like 
I come into the big meeting in there, and there's lots of new people, lots of new faces to scan. And I have to surrender my eyes, because that's where my lust is today. One day I was working and thinking, and I realized that the affair partner that I had when I got here, I kept thinking about how much my dad would like her. And so my lust and my need for my dad's approval was all wrapped up in there. You know, lust is an attitude. And I still haven't figured out how to put the plug in the jug of an attitude. So what I do is whenever that kind of thing comes up, that's where I go with the absolute surrender. I can't absolute surrender that until I know it's time to absolute surrender it. Mm -hmm. And I'm aware of it. So I'm going, there's my lust today. There's where I need to take what I need to take to the absolute surrender. And I really appreciate you guys bringing that topic. Thanks. Thank you, Brad. My name's Chris, and I'm a sexaholic. So I, I really appreciate this topic to you because progressive victory, I've always thought about that and just say, okay, that means kind of what was mentioned before where okay, I'm kind of working my way there. I'm not perfect. I'm just human. But I also understand, you know, that you've got to you've got to make the decision or you can't even get started. And for me, the progressiveness has been, you know, how they say it's like an onion. So I, I gave up the big things that were, to me, the bad things. And as those, I gave up those and then other things bubbled up that became issues that I had deeper that I didn't even know about. So it's progressively surrendering that. And I remembered when I'm in the program about a year and a half now, almost a year and a half. And what was surrender? I just had a heck of a time. What does surrender mean? It was so foreign to me to actually, what does that mean? Is it some kind of technique? And then, okay, boom, it's done. But I think to me, for me, it was that I've created my whole life working on creating this ego, which was myself. And, I, and if I, I was afraid that if I gave that up, would I disappear? What, what would be left? Would I be just like a blank slate? So that's been something that I've had to work on. But as I continue to work the program, I continue to find out who my real self is. And so then I can, you know, God has not failed me yet. I mean, on the outside, you may look in and say, he's got some bad things happening, but there's an inner peace with, uh, you know, to surrender. And again, I, I still have a lot to do to, to fully surrender everything um, to trust that my life will just, my job and my family situation and my house and all that will, will work out how it should be. But um, that's the progressive part is, is my belief uh, for me in, in, in God and, and that he's got his best will for me in mind. So, thanks. Thanks, Chris. I'll make a comment if you want to turn the mic a little bit. Um, it's just, it, it's not really an advertisement, but walking into the absolute surrender, like, there's a, there's, there's a significant amount of breakthrough that could come with that. And you heard at the at the announcement phase, they announced the you know Cesare the region holds a spiritual retreat. This will be our third year. We renamed it a spiritual intensive because it's not like a kick back and put your feet up retreat. It's a 
uh, open up your heart and soul and dive in deep with God. So it's an, it's an intensive experience. So we renamed it. But um, it's related to the topic. It really is. And there's three things that we are going to be doing this year at the retreat, which is related to this. So if this intrigues you and you haven't come up to share, but you want to go deeper or explore this, the first track is learning to tell your story from a spiritual perspective or how God saw your story. Like, I'm really good at telling my lust story. And I, I used to tell my lust story with a lot of language of lust in it in not appropriate words. And I learned how to tell my lust story very appropriately. But that wasn't the whole thing. I always felt like I was stuck on the problem, even when I would talk about the solution. But in this in this retreat or this intensive now, we learn how to tell our spiritual story. Like how God saw me in my lust and where was he and how God saw me when the event that whatever the event was that happened, usually there is an event or a a circumstance and then how he sees me now. And it's like seeing things with new eyes. And we've heard people tell their stories at this and it's incredible. Like they have a rewrite of their life almost. So there's that. Number two is there's a whole section and it's all based on the white book. So we're not using any other literature but the white book. And then there's a whole section in here where uh, Roy talks about the spiritual basis of addiction, and he sort of walks through eight stages of a descent into death, to spiritual death, and how you come out on the other side of that. So, like the track two focuses on that and walks you through that. How did how did how did you descend, and how did you come out of that spiritually? And then this year we're adding a new piece, which is based on steps eight and nine, um, which is the spiritual amends and thinking about like. That, that's a whole open, that's a whole new area, I think, for, for me to explore. It's like, how do I make spiritual amends? I made some amends, um, to myself and to God, but I have more to make, I know it, and this is gonna reveal that. So if any of that is intriguing to people, because it relates to this topic, like, I think absolute surrender is the gateway by which we walk. It, well, we read it, it's the fountainhead by which all, all, all else in the program flows. Um, and I like that visual of the fountainhead. That's powerful. So anyway, wanted to just comment on that. We still have, you know, maybe time for two more shares. I'm Jerry, uh, a grateful recovering sexaholic, sobriety date, July 4th, 2013. Appreciate the shares. Also appreciate this um, topic. I was just look, flipping through my book, and I just wanted to read something. When I first came in the essay, it really helped me. It's on page 21 of the white book. It would be like the third paragraph. I read just bits and pieces of sentences. It says, I put down lust as one would put down heroin or alcohol. For me, that meant not feeding it through the eye or in the mind and also abstaining from all. It didn't say a few, but all sex. In, in my case, I've never had a um, wife, um, never been married. So that meant I had to abstain from all sex. And then going down a couple of more sentences that really helped me and, and still helps me. I want to make sure I say that correct. It still helps me. I simply knew I had to stop no matter what. And, you know, and I listened to this um, absolute surrender. I know it's a very um, serious component of my recovery uh, because I know it's just that serious. Also, there's another section that I wanted to read because I know we I have a little time left. It's on page 121. And I remember someone giving me uh, some of Roy K's writings and I, I remember reading them, uh, Luster's Fear and some other errors, but um, I kept seeing a lot of commonality about um, having a deeper 
relationship um, associated with absolute surrender. But so if you look on page 120 and also 121, I have actually numbered them, and it's about nine times that I see that I have an opportunity to let higher power, higher power bear all of my lust and my temptation. So I just wanted to share that because that's an uh, incredible component when I think about the absolute surrender, and I'm still a little infant in absolute surrender, but I have the opportunity for, to give higher power and let higher power be the lust bearer and bear all of the lust, shame, guilt, anything I can think of in my recovery to keep me moving forward for you know the true victory over lust. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Number one more. Anybody's interested? All right, no more shares. We'll wrap it up. Um, That's all the time we have for sharing. Um, Thank you for participating. Please join me in thanking our panel. Anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, and phone number of anyone you meet here or learn about an essay to yourself. And what you say here, let it stay here. Remember when we identify ourselves publicly with SA, we never identify ourselves publicly with SA and press radio, TV, or films, neither does anyone speak for SA. Um, so Paul just came in to make an announcement. After we circle up and hold our hands in a moment of silence in a prayer, um, he asked if people would please take your chair and stack it in this room and maybe make like, I don't know, four, four or five piles of chairs. It'll help the cleanup at the very end. Okay? So let's circle up um, and we'll do a moment of silence. So a moment of silence for uh, the sexaholic who still suffers, especially the chronic sleeper, the chronic relapser. I'm sorry. Let's do the Father's Prayer. Our Father, 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 who art art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. You can repay it, denying it you're worth it. So I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.